Welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Great big theater, thousands of people, and you're sitting in the audience. And the host, the MC, calls you up to the front, up on stage. And he asks you um, this question. How would you answer this inquiry into your life? This is what I stand for. In front of all these thousands of people and millions watching on television, you answer the question, you're asking you to answer the question, this is what matters most to me. This is what I stand for in my life. And you answer him. You give your answer. And the host surprises you and says, well, we, you know what? Uh, you don't know this. We've been following you all week with a hidden camera. Yeah, we've been watching every move, seeing how you spend your time, the, listening to the words that you speak to others, and notice you know, how you, you spend resources and, and use your abilities. Let's roll the tape and watch now. And then suddenly the whole world's about to find out if what you say and how you live matches up. When you hear people speak or read what they write, you come to understand really what they say matters most to them. For some, for some it's, it's political things. For some, it will be material things. For some, it will be uh, things of principle. And for some, it is eternal things. And the title of this message comes out of a prayer of one of the heroes of faith in the 20th century, uh, Dr. Peter Marshall. He was uh, not only a Presbyterian minister and, and uh, where he preached churches would grow, people come to, to know Christ. He was also asked to be the chaplain of the American Senate way back in the day. And as he would pray over the Senate, with one prayer he, I remember him making, um, he prayed before the senators asking God this, give to us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Lord, reveal to us, show us where you would have us to go, what you would have us to do, so we know where to stand in this life. And we know what to stand for. And last week, we went back to the beginning of the Bible because it's here where uh, we understand what matters most to God. He, last week, we saw how in the beginning, God created the world, and, and it was always good. He would create, and it was good. However, we, one of his creation that was good, chose sin. That's our story. And man still chooses sin. And, and there's obvious consequences which comes from this sin. The Bible tells us uh, that even the earth was cursed when sin was allowed into the world. It brought natural disasters. There were no natural disasters before sin. It tells us that sin has cursed our bodies. We have disease. We experience death. There was no disease and death before Sin was brought into the world. And sin certainly has cursed our relationship with God. It has separated us from Him. He is a holy God, and we are people of sin. He cannot be with sin. 
There was no separation between man and God before sin. And we chose sin, and we choose sin, and we live with the consequences uh, of our sin. And though we have disobeyed, though I have disobeyed, and you have disobeyed, God loves us. And, and a loving God, he gives us this opportunity where we can choose to be set free from sin and the consequences of sin and the ultimate consequence of eternity without him, where we can know really what, what, what Bill knows today, the joy, the love, the peace of being with God forever. You know, God could have just left us here to live out the consequences of our choices. But he didn't do that. But God could have just destroyed us, saying, oh, if that's the way they're going to live, I'm just going to uh, destroy them. But he didn't do that. Instead, God, at the very beginning, makes a covenant. He gives a promise. And it's his promise which, where he outlines what he will do in response to our sin. And last week, we saw the first of many covenants that he gives us in the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, God tells our enemy who convinced us, who lied to us, who still lies to us to allow sin into our life, God said this to the enemy, and I will put enmity, hostility that is, between you and the woman, and between your offspring, Satan, and hers. And he, Jesus, will crush your head, and you will strike at Jesus' heel. God says Satan will strike at Jesus' heel, as he did. And it's interesting, I just found the, uh, read this this year, how archaeologists discovered uh, two sets of remains in which men were crucified as Christ was on the cross. So that's how criminals were crucified in that day. And they found that the nails were, that had been driven not through their feet, as often depicted, but through the heel bone. And while Satan may strike at the heel of Jesus, the promised Savior, the one who will come redeem us and save us, he will crush the head of Satan. That is God's plan for us and a plan of redemption. So tucked among the bad news, beginning of our story, of sin, of disaster, of disease and death and natural uh, just separation from God comes this promise, this first promise that don't give up. I have a plan. I have a plan to save you in the world. And this promise sums up all human history. It lays out a plan where God is going to rescue mankind from sin. It's his rescue plan. And he's taking action to reach you in the mess in this broken world. He does not want you to remain confused in this broken world. He does not want you to remain without purpose in this broken world. He does not want you to remain lost in this broken world. So Genesis 3.15, God declares war. And it, it, it declares war, the enemy that, that has attacked you and me and has wounded us. We feel the consequences of sin in this world and of our own sin. God steps up and declares, I have a plan to redeem you back. We call Genesis 3.15 the Edenic uh, Covenant because it happened in the Garden of Eden. And it's unconditional because God is going to do this, whether we, whatever we do, he's going to bring Christ in the world. And everything God does in the rest of the Bible just stems out of this promise, stems out of this covenant. Everything we do in the church today, uh, it must stem out of that promise and covenant that God made at the beginning. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in coming weeks as a church. But today I want to go back to Genesis where God 
reveals the second covenant. It just opens up the curtain a little bit more to give us more of his plan. And he does this through the life of Abram, who God would later call, rename Abraham. And at the beginning of Genesis 12, we read this in our Bibles. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And five times in that calling, God promises to bless Abraham. And all these blessings are, are part of God's plan to raise up a people, to raise up a nation from whom he would bring this promised Messiah who would crush the, hev- the, hev- the, the head of the devil. And he would bring him in the world. God promised Abraham, this is what I'm going to promise you. I'll make you a great nation, Abram. I'm going to bless you. I'll make you well-known or famous. You'll be a blessing to others. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And what I want to focus on today is this, this, this little truth in all of this. That for all these blessings to happen, which they did, Abram would have to hear God's direction. And not only hear it, but follow it and be obedient. God called Abram to leave his home, to leave his family, and head off to... Well, we don't know. Abraham didn't know. Uh, he, 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 just, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't tell Abram, just start walking, I'll show you, he says. And it's difficult enough to leave your home and security of, of your family, but not knowing where God's calling you to go to, I would think add to the difficulty of that calling. And so it's a wonder, it's amazing to me how Abram's response to this is this. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. What would you have done in Abram's place? What more would you want to say, I want, Lord, first more information before I go. Like, where am I going? What am I doing? Would you want to uh, say, God, I have a little more time to think about this? You may say, Lord, can you just send someone else? Or maybe you just refuse. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going. I know this place. I like this place. My home is here. My family is here. It's too risky. But Abram obeyed. He went because one of the characteristics of courageous leaders is this. They trust in God more than they do in their circumstances. You know, it requires this unmoving faith in our life to live that way. Because there will certainly be times when you find yourself afraid to step out where God's saying, I want you to go. You may feel it makes no sense sometimes. Why would I do this? Why would I move forward like you're calling me to do? It makes no sense. I can't see the purpose of it, God, but you say, go. We, we saw in the video and uh, the story of uh, the actress playing Jairus' daughter, and we read about this in Mark's Gospel. It says, a leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there, saw Jesus, and fell at his feet. And he begged Jesus, saying again and again, my daughter is dying, please come. Put your hands on her so she will be healed and will live. So Jesus went with him. Later on, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. who said, your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. So the word came telling Jairus that your daughter has died. 
and it makes no sense to, for Jesus to come. There's no sense in bothering him anymore, they said. It's done. It's over. Uh, going any further would be futile at this point. But notice what Jesus does and notice what he says next. It says, but Jesus, what? Paid no attention to what they said. He told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. When God gives you a vision to move forward, not everyone will see it. Not everyone's going to get it. Max Locato says in his book, he still moves stones. He says this, you'll have to probably ignore what people say, block them out, turn them off, close your ears, and if you have to, walk away. And then he says this, I love this, faith sometimes begins by stuffing your ears with cotton. Faith, the fall of God, sometimes you just got to start, but put cotton in your ears and, 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 and tone out you know, just you know, all the noise and all the, what people are saying that can't be done. It will never be done. It can't be done. You, you're not. I've been, I've been reading through the book in Nehemiah. In fact, I'm going through it again, uh, just taking notes. And God, you know, we know God gave Nehemiah a vision to move forward, to go back to uh, Jerusalem where Israel was living, you know, in Babylon for years in exile. And some have gone back to Jerusalem and, and was lying in ruins. And Nehemiah's brother came to Jerusalem where, or to uh, Babylon where he was and said, you know, it, the city's lies and it, it, nothing good is happening there. And Nehemiah got this burden that the walls in Jerusalem were, were, were disordered, that it was, they were lying in, in ruins. And the walls of a city were important back then because that was protection from the enemies. It established them as a community. It told their neighbors, God is, is with us. And upon the completion of those walls that Nehemiah went and, and, and led and people to build these walls up, Nehemiah wrote this. When all our enemies heard about this, the walls are up. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. And indeed, there were some who were threatened by this change. Some who were threatened that Israel was establishing themselves, that God was with them, that they built these walls. And they got, because these people got used to life in the ruins. And one of these men was a man named Sambalat. And Sambalat, we, we read about in the book of Nehemiah, says he was angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. And one of the great words of advice I've ever received that I've used personally in my life comes from the book of Nehemiah. And how Nehemiah responds to Sambalit. Sambalit tried repeatedly to destroy Nehemiah for, I think it was four times, he tried to lure Nehemiah away from the building of the wall. Come, let's meet in this village. Just, let's talk this out. Let's, let's, you know, let's talk about our grievances and our differences. And, and he's just wanting to, him, Nehemiah to come so the Bible says they could harm him and destroy him. And we read how, how Sambalit sent a message to Nehemiah to come and meet him in a nearby village. Listen to Nehemiah's response. He said, Nehemiah said, but I realized they're plotting to harm me. So I replied, sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I remember in, in one of my uh, churches, I was struggling with a Sambalit. Um, and, and the church was growing. The, the new people were coming each Sunday, and people were hungry for Jesus, which just excited me. 
But the more the church grew, this, the, the more the walls were being established, the more people would come and, and the community was built, the more this fellow would try to bring me down. And one day he wanted to meet with me, and I knew it was to distract me. I knew he wanted to get me away, and, and he would wanted nothing but harm to come into my life. The church, remember, is coming out of ruins. It was being built, being established. It was moving forward. So I text them back these words. I'm engaged in a great work. So I can't come. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? And I blocked his number. And never could call or text me again. He said, isn't it a mean thing to do? Well, let me ask you. If God gives you a vision, you, a burden and a vision, and, and you have the faith to walk it out, and someone is trying to take you down, why give them the time and the means to do that. But God says, this is what you do. Why would you go over there? Why would you come down from the wall and say, okay, I'll give you, if you want to harm me, the means and the time, the opportunity to do so? That's what Jesus did. When people were from Jairus' house saying, you know, don't bother coming. There's no use. Just give up. Jesus said, remember, paid no attention. Hot in his ears. And what he did say was, don't be afraid, Jairus, just believe. And notice what Jesus does next. We read this. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him. Except Peter, James, and John, his three disciples. And what Jesus, you know, seems to prevent any passive followers and onlookers and naysayers from going forward from this point on with him on the mission. And when God calls you like he did Abram to go, and when Jesus is walking with you as he walked with Jairus, and others say, give up. Hear the words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So if Jesus is telling you something and gives you a vision, if it's from him and you know that, don't be afraid. Just believe. For all the naysayers and antagonists, put cotton in your ears and don't allow them to distract you from what God is calling you to do. But how do you know what God's calling you to do? How, where, where do I hear direction? Where, where do I get that from? Bill Bright, I think along with Billy Graham, has probably influenced more people for Christ in our lifetime than any others. And Bill Bright, he was the founder of that, that Jesus film that came out in the 70s or early 80s that's shown around the world. He wrote the four spiritual laws that's been shared by millions and millions and millions of people. And Bill Bright said this, and believe this, the way, each, the way each day will look to you all starts with who you're looking to. The way each day will look to you will all starts with who you're looking to. And, and to move in the direction God is calling you, you need to be first in a place and position where you're hearing him and listening to him. When you wake up tomorrow, what you do first, how you begin your day, will be laying a foundation for that day. Do you understand that? that? This is the foundation I'm building today. And there will be troubles. We live in a broken world. There will be trials. We live in a broken world. But there will be a voice amongst the mess. There will be a voice among the victories even. And this voice is ready to speak to you, to guide you, to encourage you, and direct you in all you're to do and face that day. We have that opportunity. We have that appointment. 
we have the, the, the means to sit down and say, God, okay, let's go open up your word, and I'm just going to spend some time reading that and reflecting, because these are your thoughts, and I want to know your thoughts. And just say, God, what do you want me to know from this? What do I need to hear from you today? And the voice will speak to you. And will say this. And say, you know what? You might be afraid, but don't be afraid. Just believe me. When I, when I speak as I am now, I, uh, I like to offer more than just inf interesting information. I don't want a sermon just to be informative. I, I, if I'm happy if I feel like there's steps to say, okay, that was, maybe that's interesting, but what can I do about it? How can I respond to this? How can I act on what God is saying in his word in my life today? It isn't, enough, it isn't enough for me just to know something is good. How can I experience this? How can I know this in my life? So I want to inspire you today. I want to inspire you with, because with a great God, we can expect great things. In the fall time, we're going to be doing a series called Hearing God. And one of the key verses in hearing God is this truth where Jesus says, My sheep, if that's you, listen to my voice. I know them, and what do they do? They follow me. So Jesus speaks, I hear, and I follow. So I want to offer you a testimony today. A testimony to encourage you about how important, how valuable this practice is. Not for the personal, oh, that would be good for them, but for you to listen to the voice of God in your life to direct you through this world until we leave that dot and enter into his eternity. It's a testimony from Dr. David Gibb who shares a day in his life where he was reminded how important it is to be hearing the voice of God and God's intention. Watch this. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? 
Now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds, and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling, and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him, and I shook him, and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now, we're in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there, and I handed him the microphone, and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up, and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you can understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you. Because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage emergency for you. An Anchorage emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now, hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got his turn. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. 
we still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. Knock at my door. I open the door and man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I can. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. I was in Alaska doing a long... Oh, hear it again. I'll just do it again. You have a voice who loves you. It's the voice of God. He wants the best for you. There's so many voices wanting to distract us. So many storms around us. He goes, just focus on my voice. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know you. When you listen to my voice, you follow me, it says. God was going to bless Abram, and Abram would bless future generations. But all for all of this to happen, Abram had to hear, needed to hear, and then to follow God. He needed to be obedient to the voice who said, leave, go, and I will show you. As difficult as that is, you leave, go, and I will show you. And what if you said to yourself, Self, tomorrow morning I'm going to start listening to the voice of God. I will talk to him. I will allow him to, to speak to me. I will hear from him. I'll begin opening up his word and just reading this little portion. Okay, God, what do you want me to know from this? Can I tell you two things will happen? I guarantee this. If you say tomorrow morning I wake up and I'm going to, I'm, I'm setting that side of time. I may go with someone else, read it together. Tomorrow morning, if you make that decision, our enemy, the devil, who is real, who is present, will give the excuses why you can't. Guaranteed. 
Why can't you do it today? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, but not today. Today you're in a rush. Today you have too much on your mind. Today isn't a good day, but tomorrow, I will. Can I tell you what will happen tomorrow? Excuses will still be there. And you won't be hearing the voice. Or two, if you would set that time aside on the busy days, which is hard, right? On the lazy days. If you set aside the time on the days when it's enjoyable and the days when it's a little more of a challenge. If you'd be willing to listen and, and receive much, and even on those days when you seem not to receive very much, you do that every day if you build, lay that foundation. God's going to change your life. And I know we live in a world where everybody comes and says and wants to give you something and says, this will change your life. Only God can say that and carry it through. No one else can. I want you, what I want to understand, isn't the question, isn't the question whether God speaks. He speaks. That's a given. But are we listening? Do we want to listen? I know we need to hear the voice. Will we hear the voice? Will we seek him? Will we follow him? Will we believe God for great things? You know, Bill Bright, who I was talking about earlier, was asked, like, he was asked, like, how do you achieve that vision? How do you have that vision to, for that day, for, for your life and for your church? And he started to say this, study the attributes of God. And I thought, oh. But then he said this, once we understand how awesome God is, we will not hesitate to believe great things for God's kingdom. You know, this morning we began lay a foundation for this service. There's about, I don't know, 15 of us praying for this service. At prayer start at 9 o'clock. You come at 9 o'clock, there's usually the prayer leader will give you a scripture or direction saying, this is how we're going to pray today for our service. This is what we're asking God for. And we pray for that. The way you, each day will look to you, the way each service will look to you, all starts with who you're looking to. So before we play the first song, the first video, the first words, we seek his voice. I figure the only reason why people don't ask great things from a great God is because they don't realize what a great God they have. Either that or they don't care, which I hope isn't the case. We stop to realize the God that, that speaks to us, we created all this universe, created all the stars, the suns in the world and in your life. Once you get that, you don't hesitate to ask Him for great things. Once you realize the greatness of God, why do we keep asking little stuff from Him? God speaks. He speaks to Abraham. He gave him direction. He didn't give him all the details. He won't to you either. He just gave him the next step. Listen to my voice. Follow my voice. Leave. Go, and I will show. Just trust me here. You can trust me tomorrow and the next day. And that's what Abraham did. Why? He believed God. He had faith in God. He said, well, Mark, how do you know that? Did you know Abraham? No, never met him. But I know he went by faith because Morgan read for us today from God's word. He told us this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. When God called him to leave home, and to go to another land that God would give him as inheritance. He went without knowing 
where he was going. But he followed the voice. He listened to the voice. I promise you this, he will lead you all the way from the dot that's so small in all of this that we spend so much time and energy on and lead you into eternity. He'll lead you through the storms into the joy, through the chaos into the peace. I want that for you. I want to be a church where that people know this is the church where they hear the voice of God, where they listen to him and follow him because that's who makes the difference. Only he can fulfill that promise. Would you pray with me? Worship team will come and I'll pray, God, today we know that you are the same God as the God of Abram, the same God who led Jairus to heal his daughter, the same God who provides an eternity for Bill today, God. And we are so grateful for that, God. We don't want to be a passive people sitting on the sidelines going, I hope that works out for me. But God, that we would engage and press into you, that we would spend the time to lay that foundation every day to say, I want to build my life on the truth, on the one voice, the true voice. Because there'll be so many other voices trying to tell me things. Thank you, God, for the testimony. Thank you, God, for, for your word today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.